Welcome to another edition of 15 Minutes on Congress, Appropriations Edition Part 2. We thought that the appropriations process is so critical to many stakeholders that we wanted to try to illuminate additional elements of it. In the last episode, we talked to Andy Newton about the way an appropriations bill is assembled. Well, today we are really fortunate to have Bruce Evans with us, and he's going to help shed some light on a couple other elements of the appropriations process. I got to know Bruce in the 1990s when I worked for Senator Arlen Specter, a member of the Appropriations Committee, and Bruce was a senior staffer on the Appropriations Committee. He managed to spend three decades up on the Hill, and he managed to make his way up to the staff director position on the Senate Appropriations Committee, which is a position that is uh, replete with challenges uh, and also reflects um, the many senators who had great faith in Bruce and his uh, intellect and his uh, judgment and his integrity. So, Bruce, I'm thrilled to have you on this podcast today. Um, I'd love to know what you're working on these days before we get into the approach process. I know that you're a principal at Owen, Evans, and Ingalls, um, a government relations consulting firm, a prominent one here in Washington. And I know you must be doing some more work in appropriations and energy and natural resources as is your past. So what are you up to these days? I appreciate the uh, the generous introduction, Dan. And uh, I've been about five years now on the outside and enjoying sort of looking at the capital from a different direction um, and learning. <laughs> the fundamental lesson I've learned is uh, a greater appreciation for the proximity to the red button that I had in my old job that I no longer had. Um, but we, we do a little bit of everything. We're long in the energy and natural resource space, like you mentioned. And um, I try to keep my eye out for a number of clients in the appropriation space, both, uh, both on offense and on defense, because yeah, like you said, we're long in the energy and natural resource space, uh, doing a lot of work in the appropriations space as well, both offensive and defensive, uh, as sometimes mischief does crop up in the appropriations realm. It's not all dollars and cents. But, you know, work with uh, two other great guys, great heads, and uh, we're, we're enjoying ourselves thoroughly. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And, and uh, a belated welcome uh, to the ranks of the private practitioners who try to make some heads or tails of the probes process. I'd love to get to the concept of the continuing resolution since that's very timely. But before we do that, um, I don't know that I'll ever have another opportunity to ask someone with as much uh, depth of experience as you and how the subcommittees get their allocations earlier in the year. Before the markups start, um, there's the process. It's known affectionately as the 302B process, referencing the Budget Act uh, provision uh, that helps dictate some of the, the procedures of the Appropriations Committee and of the Senate and of the House. Um, I would just love to know from your perspective, how are the subcommittee allocations made? Who are some of the players involved? And what are some of the factors that come into play? Because that really does set the stage for the annual uh, markups of the 12 bills. Yeah, it does. And it's, um, you know, it's part, part science, part art, as are most things in the Hill space. Um, you know, once you get that top line, which is a whole separate process question that um, would take more than our allotted time, you sort of generally start by, all right, you know, what did each subcommittee get last year? Um, you know, how do you, you know, what does a prorated increase or decrease look like in terms of effective spending power? Um, you can run tables and drills that sort of uh, account for one-offs that occurred last year in the in the prior year that would um, 
you know, materially impact a sort of a prorated increase or decrease. So, to, you know, an example would be if last year was a census year and there was a big plus up in the CJS bill, well, obviously you're going to adjust downward for that. Um, they don't get to keep that money in the ensuing years as a general matter. There are scoring changes um, that are sometimes substantial, where even if you sort of continued the same language and funding levels as last year, uh, that the effective spending power in that subcommittee could fluctuate by billions of dollars uh, just based on changes in CBO scoring. Um, so you sort of establish that as a as a framework, so you know what. You know what what actual uh, level treatment with last year looks like, and then you start layering in. All right, what are you know what are the chairman's priorities? Does he got something big he wants to accomplish in Homeland Security this year or in the Ag Bill that would require special consideration? Um, what are the priorities of the committee members? The uh, full committee will always solicit memos from the subcommittee chairman and invariably those memos when you hit the total button will wind up tens of billions of dollars over the top line that you've been allotted so then you've got to make some hard choices you know there's a consultation process traditionally with the minority you know, if you've got the votes on the committee you can sort of um, make the allocations you choose as chairman but you've got to take into consideration what that will mean for the bills when they come to markup. And so it's a, it's, it's usually a consultative process with the minority and it just depends on the relationship between the, between the two. I'm curious, uh, Bruce, when you talk about a consultative process like that, to what extent um, does the Senate consult with its house counterparts in setting the 302B allocations, the subcommittee allocations? I don't think it's a stretch to say not at all. And that was sort of the other factor I was going to touch on is is exactly that, is in terms of a little bit of game theory. All right. If if you know the House allocations, and usually you do when you're in the Senate by the time you're doing your allocations, not always, but usually, um, you know, if the House went low in a particular place that, you know, is a, a priority for the Senate, um, do you go you know, artificially high in that allocation, um, knowing that you'll come out somewhere in the middle um, or the exact opposite. So those things come into play as well, um, but very um, little to no consultation between the two bodies, I'd say. Interesting. Before we shift over to the CR, I guess one question I wanted to ask is, are there opportunities for stakeholders to influence the 302B allocations? They come quite early in the process, early in the year. Um, are there any examples where you think outside um, stakeholders actually made a difference one way or the other in a, in a subcommittee allocation? Well, it's a good question. The, the answer is yes, there are ways um, to influence that and people do travel in that lane. Um, it has to be substantial, right? You're, you're not gonna make an, I wouldn't be wasting um, an allocation effort on a matter that impacts the program in the tens or sometimes even in the hundreds of millions of dollars. It's, it's got to be, a, uh, I think, a substantial amount to make it worthy of the effort. Well, that's great to hear. Thanks. Um, I'd love to turn to the continuing resolution because uh, we're taping this in early September and we know that Congress is headed towards a likely continuing resolution scenario. Um, because they won't finish 12 appropriations bills, get them all the way to the president by September 30th. Um, at this point in the process, 
What are the appropriators, the chairs, the ranking members, what are they doing to start to fashion together a, a continuing resolution to keep the government running? I, I'm curious, you know, what's happening behind the scenes? Because uh, it seems that like it's often two-tracked. You've got continued work on the bills, but then you're also working on the CR. So what, what would be happening at this point and who are some of the players and what are some of the factors that come into it? Yeah, it'll be a busy month uh, for all my former colleagues, that's for certain. Um, you know, you uh, purpose of a CR is obviously to keep the lights on, to, to buy you some time to uh, complete the work on the full year process. Uh, and, but in doing so, sort of preserve the prerogatives of, of both bodies in reaching a full year agreement. Um, and you can sort of think of the CR in, in three parts. There's the front matter, I'll call it, which is sort of the first 15 or so sections of the CR that you know, that, that lay out what funding is being continued. You might think it's as easy as the 12 appropriations bills from last year, but there are some variations on that theme. Um, you know, what funding is being continued uh, and lays out the ground rules. No new starts. The CR must be implemented in a way that the most limited way to avoid, avoid impinging on congressional funding prerogatives. Um, all money spent during a CR gets charged back to that account once there's a final bill, those sorts of things in the front matter. Um, and then you get into what we call anomalies, which are you know, particular provisions that account for unique funding circumstances, where in the absence of including an anomaly, um, you know, if treated like the front matter says, you're going to have a very bad outcome. You know, you're going to stop a major procurement or construction project um, or, you know, say, say it's a presidential election year and you're in September and you've got a presidential transition coming up in the winter. Uh, those presidential transition appropriations didn't exist last year, but they're going to be needed in November, December timeframe. So you might have an anomaly for that sort of thing. Uh, there are a the whole infinite varieties on a theme, on that theme. Uh, there were I think about 40 anomalies last year. And then the third part is sort of whatever else, whatever else might get thrown onto a CR. Could be emergency supplemental funding, could be completed appropriations bills, could be extensions of you know, other programs, authorizations that are outside the appropriations committee's jurisdiction, or it could be nothing at all. So those are the, the three pieces, and I, I lay it out that way because different you know, the, the full committee generally has the con on that front matter part and putting that together and figuring out what the ground rules are with, in, in cases, some input from subcommittees. Um, you know, subcommittee staff right now will be working on those anomaly recommendations. OMB has sent up their list of anomaly recommendations, uh, as they customarily do. Staff will paw through those recommendations and say what they like and what they don't like. They'll also be reaching out directly to agencies um, to the extent that they've got good relations there, which they should, and you know, inquiring, are there anomalies you think you need that didn't get through OMB's filter, but you think um, you know, are meritorious? And sometimes, um, the, sometimes those conversations turn up things. Um, so that's all. That'll all get fed to the full committee. 
full committee will ask questions. Uh, you know, they'll reject some of the recommendations. They'll poke around and generally challenge people's assumptions, because the the usual the usual instruction to subcommittees is there's got to be a high bar for inclusion of anomalies. Um, we don't want everything. We don't want to fix every problem. We don't want the kitchen sink. Um, we want to simplify passage. Uh, and we want to keep the pressure on to enact full year bills. If we fix everybody's problem in the CR, then the number of people interested in the final product uh, is diminished. So, you know, that's where they are now. Um, in the coming weeks, they'll have to get pretty serious. And this is very much a subcommittee, full committee leadership discussion about sort of what those other add-ons may be. As a general matter, the leadership doesn't care too much about individual anomalies, uh, particularly if the chair and ranking member of the committee are in agreement. Um, but um, you know, in terms of adding supplementals and that sort of thing, obviously that's a much larger discussion and gets into vote counting and that sort of thing. So it, it'll, it'll be a robust month for the committee, that's for certain. That's a really helpful uh, description uh, of what is going on and what is to come. I'm curious um, because how do the House and Senate coordinate on a continuing resolution since it has to be passed by both houses? Yeah, that's a good question. And it it does have to pass both houses. And usually uh, the desire is to have it pass both the House and Senate in the same form and you know only travel across once before going to the president not get ping-ponged because there's you're often at the end of the fiscal year. So there's a lot of consultation back and forth as a general matter. A lot rides ultimately on where the CR is originating. Customarily, they would originate in the House. My experience was that you'd often get to um, complete agreement with the House on the big stuff, the stuff that would actually make the CR sink or swim. Sometimes on the little stuff, you'd get to 80% or 90% agreement and the House would take your recommendations on that other 10 or 20 percent and say thank you very much and then do their own thing knowing they could and the same is true if the senate winds up originating there's always a next time so you try not to be petty and and screw the other guy sort of thing um, but who originates does make a difference in final content so this year i make no predictions about what that looks like too soon thank you so much bruce for having spent time with us educating us on the appropriations process today. This is Dan Renberg with the Eric Fox Schiff Government Relations Practice saying thank you so much for listening today, and we hope you'll listen in the future uh, to other episodes devoted to the Congress, policies, procedures, processes, and other fun topics. Have a great day.